Life Audio. Welcome to Truth Tribe with Doug Rothheis, where we seek the truth about the things that matter most through reason and evidence. I'd like to talk today a little bit about some apologetic adventures I've had over the years. This was originally published online, maybe about a year ago. Over many years of doing apologetics, I've had several remarkable apologetic encounters. Since converting to Christianity in 1976 at age 19, I have labored to give the reasons for the hope in Christ to as many people as possible in as many formats as possible. 1 Peter 3.15, I have written books and given lectures and sermons, of course, but some apologetics happens unexpectedly or in odd circumstances. That is part of the adventure of being a Christian. everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. These are mostly stories of apologetic encounters, not evangelistic successes. Although I have helped lead some souls to become Christians, one is mentioned below. That has not been my great strength, although I press on trying to do the work of an evangelist. 2 Timothy 4.5 I offer the following anecdotes of apologetic encounters to encourage you to have fire in your bones, love in your heart, and knowledge in your mind to bring the gospel to the waiting and watching world. As the Apostle Paul said, Follow me, inasmuch as I follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1 Apologetic Opportunities In the spring of 1978, when I was in college, I wrote an apologetic letter to the editor of the University of Oregon newspaper, which had reported about a Taoist priest giving a lecture on campus. In response, I commended the uniqueness of Christ and his grand claims. One of my professors, an embittered New Testament scholar named Jack T. Sanders, wrote a letter in response saying that I didn't know what I was talking about, and I should know since I had taken his class on ancient Mediterranean religions. Christianity, he claimed, was not the true religion since it merely mixed and matched ideas from its time. Now that idea is not true. I then realized that my Christian witness would be contested by people in authority. I was in a genuine spiritual battle for ideas, as was Paul, who said this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, 
and we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 I wrote another letter responding to my professor's critique, but the newspaper had ceased publishing for the summer, so it was never published. So I sent it to the professor directly. When I saw him, that following fall, I asked him if he had received my letter. He simply looked at me and said, Yes. That was the end of the exchange, but I learned that taking a public stand for the faith may be publicly contested. He would not be the last time. We should never discount the significance of prayer and the work of the Holy Spirit in apologetics outreach. I wrote an apologetic flyer to be handed out at a major New Age event in Seattle on New Year's Eve of 1986. Those of us who were going to distribute the track met beforehand for prayer and strategy. As we prayed, we all sensed the presence of God and his endorsement of what we were there to do that night. We went out with peace and confidence and handed out all the tracks we had brought. Unbeknownst to us, another Christian had also made a flyer for the event, which was good and which was also evangelistic. Between the both of us, everyone who attended the event received an apologetic evangelistic essay. I was also interviewed on the local television news that night about the event. Sometimes apologetic opportunities come unexpectedly. Thus, we should be always ready to defend our faith, as Peter says, 1 Peter 3.15. Or as Paul told Timothy, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage, with great patience and careful instruction. 2 Timothy 4.2 A friend and I attended a meeting in about 1995, which was sponsored by the local Baha'i group, which was held in an old Christian science church. The topic was near-death experiences. The goal of the Baha'i group was to speak on this topic of current interest and to weave in their own Baha'i perspective. Since I had just written a book about near-death experiences, I was quite interested. About ten minutes into the lecture, the speaker held up a copy of my book to see by the light as an example of recent discussion. I raised my hand, was called on, and said, I wrote that book. I was not trying to intimidate him, but he was a bit flustered, and then said, would you like to give the rest of the lecture? I obliged and had a very fruitful evening of impromptu apologetics. Christians can also plant apologetic seeds in brief encounters. While at a bookstore, I asked a worker where the philosophy section had been moved, since it was not where it used to be. She replied, I can show you, nothing stays the same. To that I said, except God. She seemed to ponder that for a moment, and I prayed silently for her. Early in my campus ministry days, I would sometimes write evangelistic apologetic tracts and distribute them at campus events usually with another Christian, as Luke 10.1 encourages, encourages us to do. Handing out tracts sparks several kinds of responses. Some simply turn away, others accept the tract gladly, and others are not happy about it. While some tracts are of low quality or are biblically suspect, a spirit-led Christian handing out solid literature can do God's will. Before becoming a Christian, I was a fan of two guitarists, Carlos Santana and John McLaughlin, who were followers of an Indian guru named Sri Chinmoy, who lived from 1931 to 2007. 
Santana and McLaughlin placed their guru's poems and aphorisms on their album covers. After converting, I found them vapid and meaningless, but they intrigued me at the time of my spiritual ignorance. When I found that Chinmoy was speaking at the University of Oregon, where I was a campus minister, I decided to make and distribute copies of the testimony of Ravi Maharaj, who had dramatically come to Christ from being a Hindu guru. And he wrote an excellent book on that called Death of a Guru. To prepare, I read and prayed through Paul's admonition to put on the full armor of God in Ephesians 6, 10-19. What stood out to me was the three times that Paul says to stand against spiritual opposition. Quote, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Chapter 6, verse 11. See also verses 13 and 14. I contacted campus officials to ensure that what I wanted to do was not against the university's policies. I found it was fine, as long as I did not deter anyone from entering the event. I arranged for a friend to meet me at the event, which was held on campus. He never showed up, so I began handing out the track to those entering. As soon as I began, someone tried to stop me. I replied that I was within my rights to hand out material if I did not interfere with the event. Then two other people tried to stop me, but I said the same thing and kept handing out tracts. I was fortified by the Word of God, which told me to stand my ground. I was also supported by a prayer behind the scenes. I offered a tract to Carlos Santana, who was there to play guitar, before his guru's lecture. He said, No thanks, man. On another occasion, Peter Caddy, 1917-1994, the co-founder of the New Age Findhorn Foundation in Northern Scotland, came to the University of Oregon to lecture while I was doing campus ministry there. Since I was knowledgeable about Findhorn, a New Age mecca that sponsored mystics such as David Spangler, I decided to write a tract and distribute it at Caddy's lecture. The leafleting went smoothly, and I attended the lecture. I had put my name and phone number on the track. Although I had not handed a, a copy of the track to Peter Caddy, he later called me. He reported that he was happy to get my essay and that he agreed with it. He told me that he had experienced all the key events of the life of Jesus Christ himself. The fiery baptism of the Holy Spirit, the crucifixion of his lower self, and the resurrection to Christ's consciousness. Sadly, Mr. Caddy, despite reading my apologetic essay, had radically misinterpreted Christianity according to a pantheistic Gnostic worldview. See Peter 3.16 on Twisting the Scripture. Instead of falling in repentant faith before the one and only Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, Caddy, thought he had found the Christ consciousness within himself. I was not able to get very far with him over the phone but I later prayed that the gospel might penetrate through his false philosophy. See Colossians 2.8. From 1986 to 1989, I was a campus minister at the University of Washington in Seattle for Probe Ministries. During a time, a new age, the New Age movement was exploding around the country, especially on the West Coast. This afforded many apologetic ministry opportunities since I had recently published Unmasking the New Age with InterVarsity Press. 
A local TV news program asked me to appear live for a few minutes, along with the editor of a New Age magazine out of Seattle. We were each given a scant one minute to present our views. Live interviews give the benefit of not being edited, but they have an absolute time limit, unlike podcasts today. The New Age editor spoke in generalities about love, nature, and higher consciousness. Empowered by, really, an inspiration, I replied, The New Age talks a lot about love, but the God of the New Age is impersonal. The wind cannot love you. The ocean waves cannot love you. Jesus showed the personal love of God by dying on a cross to save us. That is real love. That is bloody love, and the New Age knows nothing of it. By the Holy Spirit's inspiration, I finished exactly on time and said exactly what needed to be said. Some Christian friends who watched this live told me that they literally cheered after my response. As a professor of philosophy at Denver Seminary, I require the students in my religious pluralism class to attend a non-Christian religious service and to interview a member of that religion. A few years ago, two of my students attended a Hindu service and interviewed a woman who led the ceremonies. I will call her Jane. They both told her that she would enjoy talking to me. One of the students and I set up a meeting with this woman and her son, both of whom practice Hindu meditation. Interestingly, the woman considered herself a Christian, although she had a pantheistic worldview. The four of us had a very profitable discussion, in which I explained and defended the gospel, and my student, who is from India, gave his testimony. Jane's son asked, My guru says Jesus was the ultimate guru, but I really don't know what he taught. Can you tell me? Well, I certainly told him. As the conversation wound down, Jane asked me to pray for all of us. I was delighted to do so. I later sent her a copy of my book, Jesus in an Age of Controversy, and have prayed for her. Apologists need to respond to real questions people are asking about Christianity, and sometimes these questions are not covered by standard apologetics books. This means that the Christian needs to do research and take these questions seriously, if they are serious questions. I got involved in an email exchange with someone I didn't know very well. His obstacle to becoming a Christian related to the crucifixion of Jesus. He did not see how Jesus could have atoned for the sins of the world when he suffered for only a few hours on the cross. That, he thought, would not be sufficient to atone for our sins, which deserves an endless hell. I had never thought much about this, but as we interacted, I convinced him that while the quantity of Jesus' suffering was not eternal, the quality of his suffering was sufficient, since he was the sinless Son of God who represented sinful humanity. He later told me that he became a Christian but I was not able to follow up with him much. I have prayed for him. And I address this objection in my book, Christian Apologetics 2nd Edition, in the chapter called The Atonement, Defending It Properly. Telling others the good news. Of course, not all my apologetic encounters have gone well. I have sometimes said the wrong thing or said nothing when I should have said something. Nevertheless, I hope these anecdotes of my apologetic encounters will inspire you to serve God faithfully and with hope, an apologetic witness. They inspired me to keep explaining, defending, and commending the Christian worldview in order that, to make the gospel known to as many people as possible as long as God gives me breath. As you desire to know Christ and make him known, you will experience your own apologetic encounters 
which will in turn encourage others to follow your lead. See 1 Corinthians 11.1. May we all have the apologetic and evangelistic zeal of the Apostle Paul who said, My life means nothing to me. My only goal is to finish the race. I want to complete the work the Lord Jesus has given me. He wants me to tell others about the good news of God's grace. This is Doug Rodheis. You've been listening to Truth Tribe, where we try to seek the truth and defend it through reason and evidence. I am professor of philosophy at Denver Seminary, where I've served since 1993, the author of 17 books. And if you want to know more about me or if you'd like me to minister at your church or Christian organization or write something for you, please go to my webpage at douglasgrothuis.com and please tell others about this podcast by word of mouth, social media, or any other way. Truth Tribe is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.